Howdy doody, and welcome to the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is February the 1st, 2023. The rent is due, Alex. His name's Alex, my name's Frank. Sir. Sir. Do you know of a word in the English language that can describe the phenomenon when you are scanning a room and a word catches your eye and you remember the word, but you don't remember where you saw it? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? Not at all. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking no. about? This doesn't happen to you? Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, paint the scene. Yeah. Let's say you're at a barber shop, right? Mm-hmm. And you're getting your hair cut and you're looking at the wall and the barber chair turns you around. And as you turn, turns you around, you notice that you see the word stylish, but you don't remember, like the word enters your brain. You know, you saw it, but you don't remember where it was that you picked that word up in the room. Okay. And then when did it re- reoccur in your life? This, this happens to me quite regularly. Like, I'm surprised that, that you don't know what I'm talking I'm about. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. You, shot, you got this like brain man that you like see the word like in your floating in the air then afterwards? You know, no. You, not, yeah. Like, like, like you're just like looking around a room and, and you like pick up a word. Like I'm, I'm scanning the room right now and I'm looking at the interface that we're using and it says PreSonus. Mm-hmm. If I was in a room, like I could, that, that had for whatever reason, like recording instrument, if I was in your studio, for example, and I'm scanning the room and I see the word PreSonus. I know I saw it, but I don't remember okay. exactly where. Like word deja vu almost? Yeah, kind I of. I see what you're saying. I don't experience that. I hope that. somebody <laughs> listening knows what I'm talking about because I, f- I feel like I'm losing it. And I have been my whole life. Like this is a phenomenon that's gone on like my entire life as long as I can Interesting. Remember. And it happened today. And I, I was like, what is the what is the name of that? What does that mean? Or what is the, you know, how do you define that? Definitely. I, probably like observe it in some kind of a photographic memory or like a, a informational memory kind of a thing. That's probably why you're so good at this yeah. kind of thing. Remember facts and you probably have a pretty good brain on you, bud. I'd say. You think so? I'd say so. Makes up for your Thanks. looks, but I mean, you're pretty damn smart. Yeah. Thank God for that. <laughs> we all can't have everything. Uh, anyway, how you been, man? I've been good, man. I've been really good. Just uh, busy, 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 bro. Just been mm. recording a lot with a lot of sessions lately and work's been crazy and we're doing this and but it's been good, man. It's I feel like I've been uh, very focused this new year and like trying my best to hustle and make some shit happen. So it's been productive. Yeah, for sure. These are the times of our lives. I uh, I had a conversation with a coworker uh, this week. He's at the t- I guess you could call it like the twilight of his career, mm-hmm. and and he, and he was talking about how he had given a lot to this this company that I work for, and that he you know he made mention that that he could he could have been a better father, but he chose to put in more hours at work. Oh. And those are the words he used. And I'm thinking, damn, that's crazy. Cause I'm away from the house right now. And I don't, I don't think I'm doing any like sort of irreparable harm, but I feel like every time I go for a work trip or every time that I decide that I, I need to be present elsewhere from outside of his life, I feel like those decisions compound so that when you look back years later, you're thinking like, oh man, like, you know, that all those decisions I made in the moment didn't feel so big. But now that I look back, they, they, they add up to more in my head that then I, then I, realize at the moment. And it scared me, man. It kind of put a little fright into me. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I don't want to, I don't ever want to have that thought, you know, like I, yeah. I, I enjoy my work and I really like working hard. And, and like, I, I love working to achieve a goal and I know it's to provide for my family. But at the other end, I'm like, oh shit, I really don't ever want to have that kind of thought in, or, or resentment of that, of the time that I spent. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Cause I mean, I'm at my happiest when I'm with my family. I, I honestly would say that. But like, I also Dude, know that yeah. like the best way to help provide for my son or like set him up with the best future is to like kind of work my ass off as much as I can now to like 
have as many opportunities or whatever it is to like provide for him. And if he wants to, I guess, can go to college and like can be on a, a good career path to do whatever. Like, and I feel like those business trips, the traveling, like my, my late night recording sessions, like a lot of that stuff is, is just kind of a part of that, but it's just about finding like with anything, it's just about finding balance in those things to, you know, do both like so that you don't at the, you know, as your colleague was saying, like maybe look back in the twilight of your career and regret the time that you did miss with your family. Cause if you go too far, too hard with the work, then yeah, you're going to miss a lot of precious moments that you never can get back. You know, that's what I'm saying. So I'm going to resign to playing the lottery. I think Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the simplest route. Yeah. But also there's fulfillment in working hard and, and knowing that you're like hustling and bustling, bro. Like there's, there's a, like just personally, like even if it's not for providing reasons and all this other stuff, like, that does make you feel good, better than kind of oh, being does. an lazy asshole. But yeah, but but I, I also feel like that can you know it can make you feel a little selfish about it, because yeah. yes, you're providing, but it's not only for that, mm-hmm. right? There's if you there's plenty of people out there who work for a living who don't necessarily enjoy what they do, but they find joy in the fact that they're a hard worker. True, right? Yeah. Irrelevant of what they're doing. I love what I do. I feel like not a lot of people can say that. So when I'm out here doing these things, it's also stimulating and rewarding and fun for me. And so like, I feel like I, I, I need to find, like you mentioned the balance because I, I, I want to be doing these things, but I also want to be at home. Mm-hmm. And I know that me doing these things equates to, I think a better life at home. Right. Eh, maybe, maybe not. Time will tell. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But uh, it was interesting thought. As we've started a family too, he's kind of like that precipice of like, whatever i don't know if like at least for me like really digging into what my career would be i'm at like a really yeah. i'm at a weird place yeah i guess you've kind of been there for a while and and have have had your direction with what you want to do and you continue to just keep growing and stuff like that but i feel like i'm at a, like a unique point right now where i could go a lot of different ways and i've kind of started to focus on the things that mean most to me career-wise and I, i'm mm. starting to like see the rewards of that if that makes sense yeah, man, absolutely. There's a, a, a concept. I think it's a concept that I've been toying with for a while, but but I'm going through this leadership program right now, and it's one that's that's really driven home. And that's that's like the concept of of saying no for the sake of of clearing that path for what you want to do, hmm, right? Like, yeah. you know, you you put a focus, you you figure out what's important to you, what are your values, what drives you, and then taking that information and saying, okay, based off of that, what is the avenue that I could take that you know would would I think could provide me, you know, the, the best personal fulfillment and also for everything around me, my, my entire ecosystem. Yeah. And then you find that path and you stick to it and you put blinders on and you, you, you la, 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 and then listen to nobody over here and nobody over here. And, um, I think that's a concept that's kind of like, uh, uh, more, more or less made it mainstream. But, but I think, I think today it's, it's more like about like, like self love and self, like, like self acceptance, all these things about the self instead of like, you can achieve that for yourself, but also you can make it about your entire ecosystem. That also requires a subset of very like strong and rigid boundaries as well. Yeah. And so I, when, when I hear you talking, it's like, yeah, I, I realize, realize that myself as well. And I, and I uh, it's a little daunting, but I, I love it. I, I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's uh, incredibly rewarding and, and, and I'd be lying to you if I, if, if I said that the boy wasn't a, a big factor in that as well, because it, it definitely allows you to shed a lot of things and you're like, okay, I know it's important now. All that other stuff is just kind of mm-hmm. whatever. 
I'm starting to see some videos of him online more and more, man, and laughing and more and more of the Dude. personalities coming out. This shit is so cool. It helps um, that he's like the cutest baby, objectively. <laughs> he's the cutest baby to ever exist, man. It's like, I know everyone thinks that their baby's cute, and I, I think a lot of babies are, for the most part, cute. Yeah. But this guy's got it going on, man. He's just, he's just so damn popular everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Dude, I love, for the listeners, me and Frank kind of share an HBO account. Uh, we each have our own separate oh, profiles yes. to, you know, to, just to keep our watch history separate. And uh, I, I noticed that your brother, Stephen, added a new profile this week, and he followed suit with our pictures, which had started as nipple pictures, but have now since right. changed <laughs> to something more family-friendly, and we now use pictures of our kids. And it looks like they used a picture of the ultrasound, huh? Yeah. He, yeah, he joined up. Last week, he asked me for my password, and then I, I log on that day, and I, and I thought it was his cat. And I, was like, what? And I was like, oh, that's funny. Ha ha. You're a kid. You know, I get it. And then Jack's like, oh my God, no, <laughs> look closer. Put on your glasses more. It's uh, it's, yeah, it was his ultrasound. So it was a picture of Camilo. It was a picture of Walter and then an, an ultrasound. It's awesome. It's really freaking cool. <laughs> Puts a little smile on your face when you open that for sure. Sure does, man. Any good shows sure lately? Does. Any, any new, uh, things to any suggestions? Um, like everybody, the last of us, we've been yeah, watching that. Yeah. We just rewatched a HBO show called all of Kidridge. It's a miniseries. I've, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Is it good? It's it's good, mm. uh, but it's different. It's got like a lot of themes of like like healing your like the trauma from your parents and and you know stopping this the cycle of whatever your parents brought. It, that, that, that theme is pretty heavy, but it involves oh gosh now I'm on the spot I'm not gonna be able to remember her name Frances McDormand. Oh yeah, great actress actor. And then Richard Jenkins, who's the the dad and stepdad. Or stepbrothers. Oh yeah, and Bill Murray actually plays a, a small role in it too. It's oh, cool. Very weird, but yeah, it's a it's a good show. I mean, Frances McDormand is like one of the best actresses ever. So like she she kills it. It's re- sure she plays a really good role. But yeah, just that, and then The Last of Us. Yeah, Last of Us has been good. I, I played like a huge chunk of that first game, so it's been really cool to like see the things they've done the same and like how even like shot for shot they've like recreated cutscenes from the game. That's been really cool. But then. This new episode, they just like gave backstories to characters that they really didn't dive that far into in the game, and like yeah. that third episode was just like some really great writing, man. Like I, I don't want to spoil anything or anything like that, but good to see. I love seeing good television that's well written and isn't just like following like a formulaic kind of a strategy to just get viewers or whatever. I, I kind of feel like does that have anything to do with the video game? In the video game, Bill, who's played by Nick Offerman in the show is a character that you come across and meet, but his partner, Frank, is not someone that you really introduce to or get much of their backstory or, or anything. It's just you kind of have an encounter with this Bill guy and then go on and kind of do your own thing. So yeah. it's, it's like they kind of took that, which is cool because they're showing with all the shot for shot and all the different things they're doing with the cutscenes and stuff like that, they're showing that they want to be true to it, but they're also showing like, hey, we want to kind of step outside of the world of this, the box of this video game and, you know, build on this world and, you know, just tell good stories. And and, and that's my favorite thing about, you know, short stories, television, movies. Like, I, I just like to watch a, a well-told story that is then well-acted. Like, when that when, when things like that can make you, f- like, feel something, just watching them sitting there like, like a fucking, I, mean, I don't want to say an idiot, but, you know, when you could sit there and spend time and watch something and, and feel and, 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 you know, learn or whatever it is, like, that's... That that tells you something about the quality of of the content. You yeah, know? it gives you the feels. It was good. It was a good episode. I, yeah. I I didn't think it was gonna uh, link with the actual like uh, main arc of the story. 
I thought, mm. I literally thought it was just like a love story on the side, which it, it kind of was, but then, but then um, I'm not going to spoil it for everybody. But, but anyways, I, I, I literally thought it was just like a, a complete separate story they were going to tell for the rest of the episode. Um, yeah. But the, yeah, the, the way they, it was just, yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. It was really good. Um, one, one I did want to say, I pre- we've talked about this off air, but me and Sarah just finished it yesterday was under the banner of heaven. Oh yeah, that's what Andrew I told Garfield. you about that show on on the show here. Yeah, yeah, we we finally yeah, got yeah, to yeah. watching it, man, and and I can't recommend it highly enough. Crazy story, it's true. It, I was gonna ask because it never really said if it was a true story. That was a true story. Oh, hell yeah, true ass story. Well, I knew it was 100%. a book, so I'm like, well, what did he... but man, dude, that is it was such a crazy like I love shit like that, like Handmaid's Tale too. Just like those those when religion gets crazy, that kind of thing, but. Um, just the, like, once again, the way they told the story and the twists and the turns and, and I thought Andrew Garfield was phenomenal in it, man. I haven't really seen him Andrew. act in many other things outside of like Spider-Man. Yeah. No, but, to be God. Right. That was, uh, that was awesome. Yeah. I feel like they did it pretty well, you know, like to develop that like manipulative, almost cultish kind of demeanor that these people, uh, walk in is, is in, you know, pretty intense yeah yeah and the, the very first suspect the, the husband of the wife and da- their daughter that's killed uh, just said it really like our it our religion can breed dangerous men and then they, like they go into like the the tenets of all the stuff and how people like can misinterpret for their own whatever it is their ego their own what, whatever it is driving them in like the name of god to like do all the crazy things that they end up doing in the show and it's just mm. like to watch to watch that like unfold and I, I always love like a good detective show, so like I think that was that was done really well. But it just sucks with with miniseries, man, because like ones like this, they're so well done. It like draws me in. It's like I would love to watch another season of like Andrew Garfield no of that, no but like a different story, you know. But it's like disagree. You just like that. It's the finale, open. The finality shut. is what makes it good. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Open and close. Oh. But you know, tie a bow right there. It, when when a show has like a really really good season. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's as long as it needs to be. And I mean, like, I loved Breaking Bad, but that show drug on for a long time. Did, but it, it some, ended well, though. You know what but I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. all these shows that go five, six, seven seasons is just like, uh, you know, Walking Dead, whatever, like that. It just kind of, mm-hmm. it gets stale. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's only so much you can go. I like I like the arc. The one arc. Like, tell the good story. To it, yeah, I guess that's true, because the they're, they're focused on telling the story as best as they can and not thinking like, okay, how can we stretch this for four more seasons to keep making money and... That's true. But you're I just, more focused on. I feel doing. anxious when I get on a cliffhanger, and every season you're going to have to get ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. And then you're, you know, that's how I feel about uh, anything, any sequel. I saw that the next Batman is not going to come out until 2025. It made me so mad. Yeah, it's, it's upsetting. <laughs> it's such a long time. Yeah, but DC made some big announcements this week, man. Did they? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you saw that, but uh, hold on to your hats, folks. <laughs> I won't go and do it too much. I need Rager here for it. Someone to appreciate this. DC made some announcements. DC, yeah. Well, they're they're gonna they're trying to redo everything, man. They're trying to right their wrongs because they've they've kind of been a shit show of a franchise for a long time now. Although I think still they have the best superhero movie of all time in The Dark Knight. Like I don't think any superhero movies come out ever that's better than that. But they just kind of have like not have a very like organized universe as Marvel kind of has, or like at least Marvel makes it all fit together, even though it's like got increasingly crazy with all the universes and how anything, nothing means anything and all this shit. But it looks like DC's kind of like trying to trend that way. And they're going to do a bunch of recasts of Batman and Superman. And they're going to try to to tell uh, the Green Lantern story a little bit better and, and do a bunch of other things. So 
basically what they're going to do is use the movie The Flash, which has got like rave reviews, and it must be phenomenal because the dude Ezra Miller, that's the star in it, has like gone on drug and and alcohol benders, had people like prison like, imprisoned at his house. He was doing shit with minors. And all this shit has come out since this movie's been finished filming and DC has stayed the course that they're going to still release it. So this movie's got to be like next level good <laughs> for them to, to not just scrap it. But what it sounds like is is that movie is going to basically like destroy everything that has come and and repave the way for like the new DC universe. And then James Gunn and, and his comrades are going to take it from there and kind of tell a bunch of new stories and, and try to to fix the wrongs as they have seen them. So should be interesting. Well, thank God for that. <laughs> and I know like me and maybe like two other people listening care. So I will stop talking about superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I know a lot of people like that shit. I just never have never cared. Yeah. Yeah. Never. Not once. They're all kind of the same movie to me really when, you, when it comes down it's to true. it. It's true. It is true. Um, but I won't hate on you. That's what you like. Run it. Yeah. Let's run some news. Let's run some news. That's what this podcast is supposed to be. Let me ask you a question. But it's obviously, biggest story I think in the mainstream is Tyree Nichols mm-hmm. and uh, the, the pretty pretty awful murder of Tyree Nichols. W- when did you first hear of this uh, young man? After it happened, I honestly like probably two weeks ago. I would say I, I don't feel like I heard about it like when it initially happened, which is strange. Yeah, probably to me. same for me. And I think I, I, I'd seen little bits and pieces of it. I, it. It didn't really come into my and into like my, my square focus until they started uh, talking about the, the video. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously it goes without saying, if you've seen the video, then you know, it's terrible. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the video, but you, you know what happened, it's, it's still terrible all the same. Like, you know, poor guy was murdered and in like brutal fashion too, like really just terrible, awful disdain for, for human life. But I have to take some exception here out because it, it really frustrated me when I saw that people were hyping, when I say people, I mean the news, was hyping a police re- uh, uh, video. The release of a police video mm-hmm. was being hyped on news. Yeah, I thought that was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. I saw, what's what's the name of that thing at the, at the bottom of the screen? They, they run on the news. What's that thing called? A ticker? Nah, yeah, that's what I said, but it's not ticker. There's an actual name for it. Mm. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was looking on Twitter on an NBC News. It said, America braces... For release of Tyree Nichols video. And I'm thinking, uh, we are? We're bracing for this video? This is this is what you're you're showing here? Like I couldn't believe that this was the kind of attitude that was going like they like they wanted attention to this video. And it like blew my mind that this was the type of the way that, that this was being portrayed. And of course they released this video on a Friday night when everybody's amped up because they knew it was coming. They said a couple days before that they were gonna release it on like why do you set a time and date. Like it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And people were upset as, as, as you might be, uh, to see this video. And it becomes the story of the greater police, uh, the policing of America. Right. And of course you're going to hear about white supremacy and all this bullshit. And I think you and I know that that's mostly bullshit, right? Like there, there is no like underlying white supremacy in five black cops killing another black man. That's just shitty people, dude, who got corrupted by a system. Correct. But I think there is like an underlying theme in America, just like in general, like that's a broad stroke statement. But I, th- I think white supremacy is present in a, in, in a lot of different things. OK, I, I think you're wrong, but but definitely wrong about police killings and white supremacy on whole. Right. Mm. And I can and I have some some numbers here to back this up. So in New York City, 
home to the nation's largest police department, police shootings have declined about 90% since the early 1970s. Nationwide, police killed 999 people in 2019, according to a database maintained by the Washington Post. The victims, almost all of them who had weapons, included 424 white people and 253 black people. So you have almost twice as many white people being killed by the police than black people in 2019. Even assuming the worst, that the police officers in the Tyree Nichols video are as guilty as they appear to be, it would be wrong to generalize about police policing based on this incident. The data simply does not comport with the criticism of cops as racist and prone to excessive force. What we know from past experience is that the violent crime in Memphis, Tennessee, where the incident occurred, is likely to get worse before it gets better. And this is a phenomenon that we now have a lot of data to, to uh, reflect on. Roland Fryer, a Harvard economist who has researched the aftermath of high-profile encounters between black suspects and police, found a disturbing pattern. When police departments are investigated following incidents of deadly force that have gone viral, police activity tends to decline and violent crime increases. This happened in Ferguson, Missouri, after Michael Brown was gunned down. It happened in Chicago after a cop fatally shot Laquan McDonald. And it happened in Baltimore after a young black man died in police custody after his arrest. So what, uh, what this Harvard economist is arguing is that not only is it not racist, what the, the, the policing that we have in America, backed up by the data of police killings, but every time there's a story like this one, police tend to under-police in this area as a form of, I don't know, compassion or just trying to lay low for a little bit. So these areas become under police and violent crime increases in, in all these areas where these incidents occur. Real quick, just some pushback on that. What was that stat you said again, the, the numbers? Because it was like a two to one kind of a thing between white and black? Yeah. So it says 909, we'll call it a thousand. Police killed a thousand people in 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay. The victims, all of whom had weapons, included 424 white people and 253 black people. Okay. 12 of the black victims and 26 of the white victims were unarmed. So that's that as it is, is like, oh, wow, okay, I get it. But what I also say is if you look at the U.S. population by race, 60% of it is white. And of the black community, I think it's like 12%. I'm looking right here. On, yeah, it's like 12.2%. So like by the numbers, four times as many, you know what I mean? Like it's not... That stat doesn't make as much sense, like doesn't hold as much weight to me. Well, yeah, but, but okay, so we're talking about an incident that happened that in general, the, the American public is, 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 has an outcry about because right. it is horrible mm-hmm. and then takes it a step further and says, yes, this is a clear cut example of white supremacy in American policing. Moreover, it doesn't matter that the five people who killed the five policemen who killed this, uh, this man were black. It matters the institution that they're in. That's the real problem. It's white supremacy in the institution, and these guys just fell victim to that. So what we're saying is, okay, maybe police kill way more white people than they kill black people, but that still doesn't mean that the police department isn't racist. But the chance of them of them running into a white person are over five, like almost five times more likely just based on the population of America, though. So then how come this many more white people are killed? But it's not that many more. When you, it's twice as many white people, but you, you have almost five times as many white people in America compared to black people. So you're saying it should happen? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that like that's that kind of backs that like white supremacy isn't as prevalent because more white people die. But when you look at it as a percentage of the population, that stat doesn't really hold as much weight. Like really, I feel like more black people are dying when you look at it that way compared to how many white people there are in America or, or it's like very equal, but like to say that it's not prevalent in America, like you don't see how white supremacy at all could, could leak into that or how the like black people could feel that way. Just based on like how like the incarceration rate alone 
and how they've been policed? No. You know why? I saw a video a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to show it to you here. It's a, it's a street corner in Chicago. Mm-hmm. There are people hanging out on the street. Gunfire breaks out. Two people are hit. Everybody scatters. Somebody goes to uh, uh, the guy who's in the middle of the street to check on him. Another man who was shooting walks up. The guy looks at him completely unassuming, puts a gun to his forehead and shoots him, executes him. Mm. And then he walks around and he goes to another guy who got hit, puts a gun to his head, shoots him, executes him, gets into a car, drives away. It's the most horrendous thing I've ever seen in my life. And that was like black on black crime. Yes. You don't see how white supremacy destroyed their communities and pitted them all against each other with gangs. You cannot see that video and tell me that is the cause of white supremacy. That is a a corrupted soul. And you're going to tell me white people are, are responsible yes, for that? Yes, I am. Because white supremacy, white supremacy back in the 70s, 80s, and, and years before that led to the conditions that a lot of inner cities are find themselves in today where gang life is the way just for these people, a lot of these kids just to survive or they don't even, you know, that's just what they're born into. That's life. And that's what leads to all this black on black crime. It's not justifying it, but it, it is saying that like... I don't think that that would that those communities would all be like that if it wasn't for a lot of things we did and and incarceration rates prove that bro like they're sitting there's so many less black people in America yet if you look at our prison system there's so many more black people in prison than white people so like that doesn't make sense that there, there's got to be some aspect was, of that if it was such a big issue if it was something that was so prevalent why are we being told that we need to watch this video why are we being why are we being hyped up? On this video, when the videos that I just described are out there ten times to one, and not one person is protesting that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, I, but you can hold now, two now truths in your hands. Now I understand that it, these people were in a place of uh, of authority, and you should be concerned about people who abuse that to the point where they're murdering somebody. That is, that's that's not what I'm trying to say here. But if you if you if you can look at these numbers objectively and not just excuse it by talking about the the population. That, that, is, that, that really doesn't mean anything. That's just a number. You're just throwing out a number. Well, there's more white people, so of course more white people are going to get murdered. No, that doesn't make any sense at all. What do you mean? How does it not? Because that, that, that would mean that that many more white people were just on whole likely to come across into a scenario where they're coming across the police. Right. If what you're saying is true and it's white supremacy that is holding down the black community and and causing so many people to be in trouble with the policemen, then you would think that way less white people would come into contact police so much so that they're getting murdered. Right. I mean, if you're going to accept that, you're going to have to accept the other thing. So I can't just wholesale say that because there's so many more white people in America that it doesn't matter that almost twice as many of them are getting murdered by police. And and to me, it's it's a it's a good enough argument to say, well, maybe maybe we have this thing wrong about about racist police. Maybe we do. And if we do, wouldn't that be best case scenario for everybody? I think it'd be better to pose that question to a black people, like to a black person that deals with those kind of people. Like, or, or like, I think they would be able to identify how white supremacy has affected them or how they feel like that it has than us kind of talking about it. I guess, dude. But like also the police chief in Memphis is black. The mayor is black. Like it's a community of mostly black people. But that, uh, separate, separate that. I guess we're separating both of these things. That can be true. Like this should happen. But I guess we're not because we're using this story to talk about. We're using this story to, to, to say, hey, this is actually a much bigger problem with uh, the police structure as a whole in America. And really, you can uh, pin white supremacy on the reason that this happened. See, I, yeah, I don't agree with that. I, I think it's more police training and just shitty cop, like shitty people becoming cops, which I think is is prevalent. There's a mil- tons of great cops, too, but like there's shitty people in, in any industry. So, th- you know, there's going to be shitty cops. For, I've heard some some rumors. My dad was texting me about this stuff. He's heard that these guys were fast tracked 
basically to get like numbers up within this police squad to, to get up, you know, like uh, minority numbers within the squad. So their training was fast tracked instead of it being six to 12 months. My dad is alleging that within, we're going to be hearing that these guys were, their training was fast tracked. And basically these guys shouldn't have been cops like within like three to four weeks, these guys are on the street policing. Well, yeah. Couldn't you, couldn't you believe that? Um, with, with all the talk of abolishing police going on? No, I, yeah, I definitely could believe that for like, sure. Absolutely. That makes sense to me. Who's going to want to be a, a cop after this? I, man, I don't know. Maybe you think you're a decent upstanding person and then you get into uh, a, a position of authority and then you find out that uh, actually I wasn't as strong as of a person I thought I was. And then when I'm with, you know, two or three other guys who are abusing their power. Yeah. But then you also save some kid's life or do something like that. And that makes you feel amazing about and what you're that doing. Is, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is overwhelmingly the interactions that people have with police. Overwhelmingly the interactions that people have with police. I think it was some, I thought they had air in this article, but they don't. It's like some ridiculous amount of like, like billions of interactions that people have with police. A study published in the Journal of Trauma and Acute Surgery in 2018 looked at more than a million service calls to police departments in Arizona, Louisiana, and North Carolina, and found that officers use physical force in the course of arrest less than 1% of the time. Moreover, 98% of suspects who were arrested using force sustained no or mild injury, right? So what we're seeing is amplified to the max. Mm -hmm. And so obviously that can, that can get into our brains. I mean, of course it can. And I think that's kind of the point here. Like it becomes at some point when we're being told that a nation braces for the Tyree Nichols video, what the fuck does that even mean? What does that even mean? A nation braces for the Tyree Nichols video. Like, but would you say it'd be safe to say like for the, when the George Floyd video were to come out, like a nation would brace for that was way worse than the George Floyd video. Way worse, way worse. This guy was brutalated. So why is that not okay for a nation to break? Like, I mean, if you're going to actually see what went down when six cops surround and like totally beat the fuck out of this dude, you know, Rodney, Rodney King style, like a nation would need to somewhat prepare themselves for that. But I, I, I guess I would just say the George Floyd one be more because then you bring in like the racism of it because it's a, a white cop on a black guy as opposed to black cops, you know, doing this to a black man. At the end there of the day, go. it's and just police it. brutality. And now it's less than a week from that video being released and it's not a story anymore because mm -hmm. you can't, you can't press an angle to it. So we didn't need to brace for anything. I see what you're and, saying. And it's, look, it, it is bad, but there are way worse things going on out there that we should be way more upset about. And we're not because we're not being told to. I see. Yeah. I see what you're saying. In some quick political news, Nikki Haley has announced her announcement to run for president in 2024. You know who she is? No. Who's that? Uh, I don't really know either. I know she was like the ambassador for the UN during Trump. Somebody that Ben Shapiro has called previously his uh, spirit animal. So somebody that I'm inclined to dislike based off that information. <laughs> Quick, I, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I thought this was interesting. So the January 6th committee put out a like their full report, they did a whole broadcast of it, and uh, and and they publicized the entire report. So we thought um, the head person, chairwoman of that committee, did an interview with CBS News and said that the FBI and the intelligence community had sufficient evidence to act in defense of violent behavior on January sixth. And if they had done so, they would have prevented violent behavior on January 6th. This is something that was not previously publicized in any reports, um, which is a pretty interesting little tidbit to me because we know they knew things. Like we knew, we know that they declined 
extra protection. Why does it always come out like that, man? It, same with 9-11. The exact same thing happened with 9-11. I know. Well, why does it? I mean, for a reason, obviously, right? Like there's, if you're going to, if you're going to publicize the whole report and you omit something when you say you're going to publicize the whole report and then you purposefully release it later, there's a reason for that. Say, I put my tinfoil hat on, man. That sounds like a, a new conspiracy to me. Man. I, I have read into some oh, things man. about January 6th being like set up by the Dems to just totally obliterate Trump, which is just wild to me that they could be that smart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I, I, I don't know that they, they ever thought it would get that, that as bad as it got. Yeah, yeah. Because it got bad, dude. But certainly, I think they were inviting something, right? I think they were playing with fire a little bit. It seems like, mm -hmm. for sure, if, if they know something. Well, and this and video just came out this week of uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband. And his intruder. Did you see that video that got released? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was weird, dude. It's it's <laughs> that was weird. crazy, man. And and like allegedly, this dude just broke into his house and then you know hit him with a hammer. And you see it on the video that he attacks him. But somehow all their cameras at the Pelosi residence were broken that night. So that's weird. It always happens that way. But they were all out. Right. There's rumors right. that these guys knew each other or like some kind of like in interaction at a. I've heard like a gay bar got thrown out there. I don't, I don't have that for sure as fact, but I have heard that as a story in a lot of places. It's just interesting to see what, like when they opened the door, just an odd scene, right? Now, now here's, somebody gave an explanation that was rational that I thought, you know, okay, this might hold up. So let's say you're Paul Pelosi. He had a drink in his hand, so he had definitely been drinking. He had had at least, at least one drink because mm -hmm. it was in his hand, probably more. You're at home, you're alone. Somebody manages to break into your house, but they're not belligerent. They look like a threat, but they're not belligerent. And so you get into fight or flight mode and you say, okay, I'm going to alert the police, but I'm going to keep this guy as calm as possible for as long as possible because I am an old frail man and this is a big young dude and he can overpower me. I cannot overpower him. True. My only option here is to be clever. And so he decides to play along with the guy a little bit, be a little friendly, indulge him in his insanity until the cops get there. And once the cops get there, they open the door, they see the guy with the hammer, the guy realizes that this is his last opportunity to do what he came there to do, and he takes the opportunity and he hits him. Now, I heard that, okay, that makes way more sense For sure. than Paul Pelosi is like a, a, a freak. <laughs> yeah. who who has like weird gay lovers in San Francisco and you know like all the, all the other weird like for uh, sure conspiracies and, and the way that he's like traded stocks like so honestly like very brazenly the moves that he, they have made over the last you know five to eight years have been very successful let's put it that way and in, in how the Pelosi's yeah. have chose to to invest their money uh but just something that made me just just think it was weird to scratch my head I saw a clip uh, I'll play it here of this guy uh, David DePape, I think is how you say his name. Uh, that's the, okay. the attacker of Paul Pelosi. And from jail, he calls into a news station uh, in San oh, Francisco. And this is what he said. And I, I just don't, this feels weird. Like it's not him or he was like coaxed to saying this or he's just a fucking psycho. I, I really can't discern what the what it is so let me let me show this to you what do, what do you want to say because they release as you know they released the video earlier today yeah i saw that yes what um, what did you want thank you for calling me what did you want what did you want to tell me um now that you all have seen the body cam footage i have a most important message for everyone in america you're welcome uh, uh, liberty isn't dying it's being killed systematically and deliberately the people killing it have names and addresses. So I got their names and addresses so I could pay them a little visit. I have a heart-to-heart -heart chat about their bad behavior. The tree of liberty needs watering. You need men of valor. 
patriots willing to put their own lives on the line to stand in opposition to tyranny. I would also like to apologize. I want to apologize to everyone. I messed up. What I did was really bad. I'm so sorry. I didn't get more of them. It's my fault. No one else is to blame. I should have come better prepared. I spent all my time exposing government corruption online, only to have them silence my freedom of speech as quickly as they could. They circumvented the Constitution to private industry. And the ruling class outsources their repression of your civil rights to private industry. It's called fascism. I have a lot more to say. I had a website of over 300 pages. That's 300 pages of stuff they don't want you to hear. I'm in the process of trying to set up a new site out of the reach of tyrannical global homosexuals and their internet censors. Whoa! <laughs> I was not expecting that, dude. Yeah, dude. I'm, I saw that video. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Why would you do that? Like, it, it, to me, it sounds like he's, like, reading it, and it's, it, in my just conspiratorial brain, it's like, are they, like, holding a gun to your head, saying, like, go fucking say this? Like, we need to make Trumpers look so fucking bad. Oh, he's not a Trumper. He's very much a leftist. Is he really? Oh, yes. Okay. See, I, I just don't, it's yeah, just, no. the video just seems yeah. so weird to me. I just don't know what oh, no, to I think I think he it. believes every word that he said there. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> just a crazy motherfucker. That guy's a nut. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry I didn't get more of Yikes. <laughs> it's like, so you are planning on spending the rest of your life in prison for sure. Man, Jesus Christ. Um, hey, did you see, uh, okay, you know who Mr. Beast is, right? Everyone knows Mr. Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's a little annoying to me. I know he's like a very helpful and giving and, and great person, but I don't know. He just annoys me. I don't watch him. Uh. I really, truly don't know. I know his shtick, but I, I've never seen a video of his ever. Mm. But I know that he like does really like wild and interesting things, and then that generates a lot of views, which generates a ton of money. And then I, I believe he just rolls all of that back into like his next stunt, right? Which yeah, end up being incredibly expensive. But they garner views, and, and 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 it's a it's a nice little cycle that gets him a lot of money. To my understanding, he doesn't retain a ton of that money. I could be wrong. But this past week, he cured like 11,000 people from blindness. I saw that, man. I, okay. I didn't realize blindness was curable to that degree, to be honest with you. Uh, me either. He even said, he tweeted out, mm. I don't understand why curable blindness is a thing. Why don't governments step in and help? Even if you're thinking purely from a financial standpoint, it's hard to see how they don't uh, return on investment on, on taxes from people being able to work again. Like, like yeah. 100% true. Mm -hmm. But people are like really going after this guy. After he cured 11,000 people for blindness, saying that he's doing like these uh, philanthropic works for profit, and that's the reason that he's doing them. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, how, like, how miserable of a person do you have to be? Like, when have you ever helped as many people as 11,000 people see again? Like, that's right. such an, a ridiculous accomplishment. Like, most people will never be able to touch that many people's lives in their life at all. Like, he's done such an incredible thing. And the blowback was just incredible. I could not believe how many people were upset about what he was doing. Yeah. And they just say, they just say it's like, uh, like, like making money off of those lesser than him. And like, I can't, like, how far gone do you have to be in your world worldview that that that's what you come in, in, into the situation with? I, I'm, I'm happy that things still, uh, surprise me in that way and still take me aback in that way. And I'm not like, so jaded on, on everything in life. Yeah. And he's, and he's not wrong. He's, he's not wrong. And he does a lot of great shit to help people. I, so I can't really, you can't shit on him, but there are, I have seen an interesting conversation revolve around him or kind of springboard off of him, uh, in that he said that when he dies, like he will have no money. He will, he will have given it all away. Like that is his plan to die completely broke. And it, 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 oh, it kind of nice. has springboarded this other argument 
or like a thought process out there about a death, an inheritance tax, a death, a death tax. Uh, and it, uh-huh. it, some people believe or, or would like there to be a hundred percent death tax. What that would mean is basically you have no money to pass down to your family. It all goes to the government, which is, is a wild idea. But the idea is that it would have more of these billionaires, millionaires, and this would be over a certain dollar amount per year. Like if you're making less than 70K or whatever, I don't think this would affect you. But like for the very, very rich, there'd be some kind of percentage. Maybe it's not 100, maybe it's 85% or something like that, where they would be incentivized basically to give their money back to different things. What it could create is very, very interesting because you wouldn't just have a, a huge mass hoarding of wealth by the very, very small percentage of people that have most of the money. You'd have a, a redistribution into the entire community of America, whatever that is, if it's more research into to healthcare and there's, you know, fix, you know, cancer or more research into Alzheimer's or all these different things where, where that money could go instead of just into the bank accounts of future generations of that specific Roth child family or whatever it is. Um, I, I think it's I think it's really, really an interesting idea. I don't think it should be 100%. Obviously, you want to have something to pass on to your kids and things of, of that nature to allow them to grow, but also the, the argument could be made that you have your life to try and set them up with the money that you've made, you know, and then for that point, it's for it. It's, it should be on them and their work ethic, not all this huge amount of, of, of wealth that you've accumulated. So I, th- I think it's a, a really interesting idea. It's an interesting thought until you realize that it's a very, very small percentage of families that actually keep their wealth past two or three generations, like really small. Mm. It, it doesn't exist. Like, I think, I, I, I think we like to have this idea in their head, like old money and that, like, yeah, of course that exists, but that's not, that's not nearly anybody past two or three generations. That money does not exist in, in, in the, in, in the way that it did before. So to me, it, it happens naturally. I, you, you, I certainly don't like the idea of the government coming in and taking a majority of what you've accumulated in your, in your life. One, it's uh, fuck them. Like it's not theirs. And two, no, like it, it's going to de- incentivize people to do anything. Like, why would I do anything if all I have to pass on to, uh, you know, my family at, at peanuts? Right, like I've accumulated a, a net worth of about fifty million dollars, and the government's going to come in and take eighty percent of that. So then I'm taxed on the other twenty percent, and now I'm giving my kids, and, and may, maybe I'm giving them a million dollars each, which is not nothing. But if I had fifty million in wealth and I was getting a million, and that's all I could give them right now, that to me seems absolutely ridiculous. I know, but in the spirit of fuck the government, like most people wouldn't hold on to their money so that it would go to them. So like the idea was that that. It would be instead of just continuing to help your yourself or your brood, it would be to help others. Like I, I do see where the advantage of that would be. Maybe it's not a hundred percent, but even if it's like a fifty percent inheritance tax, like that that money honestly probably could go to better places than just sitting in that account. But it's that general idea of like you aren't you aren't smart or good enough of a person to know what to do with your wealth. So we're going to, we're going to incentivize you. Or we're going to tell you that if you don't give it away, then we're going to take uh, like the, the large chunk of it. Eh, fuck off. Like really like truly fuck off because I, you see so many of these billionaires who are just like, yeah, I know I have way too much money. Like I know I have more money than I'll ever spend ever in my life. I could possibly spend. I mean, look at Elon Musk. Like he bought Twitter and he's like, he still hasn't, spent all of his money, you know, like they have way too much money. And so they all sign packs that they're going to give like half of it away to charity. And some of that stuff is, you know, just propped up so that they can keep that money going. But, but I don't know. I I feel like if you believe that generally people are good and I believe that generally people are good, they're going to do the right thing. Yeah. I hope so. They're going to give a lot of that money away. I hope so. This kind of, if you institute this in some degree, it kind of 
forces their hand to do that, but make them still be the good guy <laughs> in a way. Play that uh, just a little bit further. And, and, and let's say that they don't and they have to give the money to the government. And so now you're trusting the money, the government to do yeah. the right thing with your money. I don't think anyone <sighs> would okay, let that money get to worked. the government. I think everyone would say, fuck you. But yeah, that's true. Um, if you had to guess, what would you say that the least obese country is mm, in the world? I'd say, I guess it'd be somewhere in Europe. Wrong. Really? Yeah. Um, least obese. Okay. Well, there's probably a lot of famine in Africa, so <laughs> I'd say it's there. Okay. Uh, in in the developed world. Oh, okay. Um, it's not America. It's not definitely not America. America is absolutely without a shadow of the doubt the fattest, country <laughs> the fattest by a large margin. And then I'm pretty sure China has a similar pro- problem to what we have. Although there's going to be supposedly famines and all this other shit coming up because they have too many people, but I know they have like a high obesity rate there, I think. Um, I don't know. It's not in Europe. Australia? As a percentage of total adult population over the age of 15, Japan Hmm. has only 4.2% of people that are obese, followed by Korea and then Italy. Really? Which is interesting because Italy lives on pasta and bread. Yeah. Wow. Which is... An interesting little phenomenon. I know they do a whole lot of walking, but also it might have to do with, uh, you know, non-refined carbohydrates. Oh, yeah. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, the United States uh, has 40% of their adult population over the age of 15 classified as obese, followed by Chile at 34.4%. So there's an almost 6% difference between the two countries. Uh, Mexico in third place, uh, New Zealand. Surprising. I don't, I don't, I don't know why. Surprising. I, I don't, I've never been to New Zealand, but they are uh, fourth fattest. And then Hungary rounds out the top five. And bottom five, you have Norway, Switzerland, Italy, Korea, Japan. Very interesting. Indeed. Yeah. I have some interesting um, little, I know you're not a baseball guy, but these are some pretty cool stats. Uh, baseball You stats. let me get my superhero talk in, so I'll let you get your baseball tag. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, quite uh, kind sir. Um, the, these are the rarest events in MLB game history. Individual, not like team uh, events. Two grand slams in one inning. There's been one player in all of MLB history that's hit two grand slams in one inning. And then the next rarest thing to happen is that you ground out into a double double play four times in a game. It's only happened twice. That one person has grounded out into four double plays in one game. You think that would happen a lot? It's only happened twice. Only three times in MLB history has somebody hit three hits in one inning. Only four times in MLB history has uh, somebody hit a grand slam in their first career at bat. Uh, Only five times has somebody struck out 20 batters in a nine-inning game. For reference, there are 27 batters Mm. guaranteed in any game. Only six times has somebody been caught stealing three times in a game. And uh, some more popular stats, uh, only 339 people in MLB history have hit for the cycle. There have been 318 no-hitters, 224 inside-the-park grand slams. Wow. And 133 home runs in uh, someone's first career at bat. And that for me, that's what I'm. That's what that's all I'm going to do is look up random baseball <laughs> stats until baseball season starts because I don't give a shit about the NBA, dude. Like, I, this is the worst time for sports for me ever. Really, I hate this period. Oh, no, it's the best. Bro. I mean, I you got I'm, hockey, you got basketball. Yeah, yuck. I mean, I love hockey, but like regular season NBA basketball has got to be. The worst. I, yeah. I'm sure some people will argue that baseball, regular season baseball is worse. It's pretty bad. I just, <laughs> regular season basketball to me is just the most dry thing ever. I would agree with you up until like this point. 
Because basically, I think the NBA starts to get good right after the All-Star game, which is like right around Valentine's Day usually. So yeah. it's about to ramp up because then playoffs start. Like they want to obviously be well seated for playoffs and then they're really playing in the playoffs. But the NBA needs to shorten their season because it's 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 far too long. Results in a lot of teams sitting players and, and you know, the fans that go there to see their favorite players play, you know, I, oh, we're resting Kawhi Leonard tonight. Like, but what the fuck? I just paid $200 for my ticket. Like that leads to a lot of uh, pissed off fans and, you know, really, it's it's just a, it's it's far too long for the amount of traveling those guys have to do. So I think if they like shortened it, that would make the games all worth more, like you see in the NFL, where every week people are out there dying. You know, on the <laughs> I shouldn't say that every week people are out there, you know, balls to the wall trying to win because you only have 17, 18 opportunities regular season to try to get to the promised land, as opposed to baseball where you have 160 and, and NBA, which I think is like 100. Yeah. It's it's like the games just mean less. Honestly, they just mean less. So, so what, you're, what you're saying is that you there's no room for you to throw a tantrum in the middle of the court when you don't get a foul oh, at the end of the he game. He got fucked by saying? that call. That that LeBron James call was ridiculous, bro. And that ref that called that didn't call that foul, the games that he has ref, the Celtics are 38-2. and two. So you want to talk oh. about some kind of collusion going on? That was a hundred percent a foul, and and I he maybe acted kind of babyish in in how he responded, but that kind of. that is the last play. He threw a full grown. That's a grown man. He threw a tantrum. That's the last play of game against the number one team in the East. That would have been a huge victory for for the Lakers, and they got they he's got still cheated. talking about it. It's like two games later, he's still talking about well, it. Well, how do you think about that though? Cause it's same with like umps in baseball. Like, when these guys fuck up. How, they, they, there's got to be up. some accountability in some regard. Like it, it, that's the whole point of the replay system is to fix when they fuck up. But when they both fail, like things have to be like the NBA coming out after that game, like an hour later, like oh we messed up. That does nothing for you. Like the oh yeah, you shouldn't do that. No, I mean, you should. You, you you definitely shouldn't ever 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 <laughs> admit that you did wrong. Ever. I'm serious. Yeah. If you're the NBA or you're the refs, you should never do if it. If Bill Clinton taught us anything, it's that. That's amen. <laughs> Amen, Bill. So that's a lasting legacy for you. <laughs> no, you don't ever do that. Listen, you have the replay, but the things you can't replay, you just, you, you can't, it, there's nothing you can do about it. You, you accept it and you move the fuck on. But you can replay that. That's a shooting foul. It should have been a shooting foul. It should have been reviewed. You can review it. You can review a shooting foul in basketball. Absolutely. You can't. Re- you oh, can, no wonder. You can't re- see, that's why people don't watch it anymore. It's, if you can review a shooting foul. Well, what, yeah, because you need to see if it's a foul or not. Ah, oh, it's so boring. It's so boring. People miss calls all the time. It's so boring. So you, you're saying that play could have been reviewed and it, and it wasn't? Yes, correct. Due to, really? Yeah, because that's up to the ref to review it. Unless there's oh, a challenge God. by the coach, but the coach didn't have any more timeouts, so you can't use a challenge. So it's like in, in that position, that's a huge game. It doesn't mean as much because we're not towards the end of the season, but like... I, I think the fact, like the, the players themselves are just frustrated because like there has already been we've already seen one ref and a circle of refs like get taken down in the NBA for fixing games. Like it's, it's a known thing. And then you have this ref who's 38 and two when he, when he ref Celtics games, it's like, there's something weird there. These players know this shit. They know certain refs fuck with certain teams and, and don't fuck with certain players. So they're not going to get calls. Like that, that's not how I, I, you can't like play favorites in, in refereeing. Like that's not your goal there. You have to be, you have to be a neutral party there and referee no, the game. And, and so I think that frustration just boiled over in that play. Uh, he's a professional you can't athlete. insert you yourself can't. into the game like that. Like exactly. That Patrick, that Patrick Mahomes foul at the end of the dude, game. Dude. Dude. Was not a foul. You don't call that foul. Not in that position. That you're going full speed. Every yard counts because you're trying to stop them. He was a half step out of bounds at the most. 
Yeah, no, and especially when they didn't call it when did you see the Cincinnati running back on the on the drive before that go out of bounds uh, and get yeah, hit? He got, he got hit up, way yeah. later, and they didn't call it on him. It's it's that that game had a lot of questionable plays, man. That that fourth down. I'd review. like to know what the what the training is with like the like like. There's got to be some sort of training when you're a professional referee where you learn how to quiet your inner emotions, your inner self, and like a athlete, breathe slowly and deeply and don't let yourself get caught up in the moment because I feel like too many refs <laughs> allow that to happen and they panic and they say, Oh, well, what if I don't call this? Oh shoot. Like, was it all oh, flag? Yeah. It's, and it's like, no, no, you, you, I, I feel like the posture needs to be, well, if I'm questioning it, it may not have happened. So I'm not going to call it. And uh, th- like that, that last penalty, like, you know, that that penalty gives Kansas city, the yardage they need to kick a field goal and win the game and you have to be damn sure before you throw that flag. Like you have to like know one hundred percent before you throw that flag, because you know the consequences. And if not, and if you don't, then you're that. That is when you're inserting yourself into the game. That's when it becomes unacceptable to me, at least. And I just think, what profession out there is there that when you continually fuck up, you're not held accountable for your actions? Like there's that. I know there's that umpire in baseball that everyone fucking Politics. hates. Oh yeah, <laughs> but like there's there's certain refs that have a have a history of these kind of calls, and it's it's like. They they need to be taken more accountable, and I think they they will act more serious in what they're doing. P- perhaps I mean you're going to have mistakes. People make mistakes. That's human. Like we're all human. But I think when it's like a repeated thing, like the, that needs to be addressed, or you're going to continue to have things like what went on in that Lakers game and then the blowback afterwards. Right. Can I can I tell Agreed. you a crazy story real quick before we get out of here? I just sure. read it online. Yeah, I, I'm just going to read this to you as I read it. Um, due to German privacy laws, we don't have the full names of these people yet. They will come out in time. But listen to this story. There's a German woman who is accused of murdering a lookalike she found on Instagram in an elaborate attempt to fake her own death. The alleged perpetrator, identified as 23-year-old Sherban K., that's all they can release of her name, killed beauty blogger, I think it's Khadija O., who is also 23, uh, in Germany last August, according to investigators. Khadija had been brutally stabbed more than 50 times with her body left in the back seat of Sheraban's Mercedes. Sheraban K. and an accomplice identified as her boyfriend subsequently went into hiding. When the body was found, police traced the car's registration to Sheraban K.'s family. Given the corpse had been disfigured, investigators assumed that she was the victim. However, a subsequent autopsy report uncovered that the actual victim was Khadija O, prompting an investigation into the bizarre case dubbed the Doppelgang murder. This week, police charged Sherbin K with the murder, with prosecutors saying she trolled Instagram in a bid to find a victim who matched her physical appearance. It has been confirmed that the accused had contacted several women via Instagram before the act who seemed to look similar to her, Attorney General uh, Veronica Greaser told local publication Built. It can be assumed that the suspect wanted to go into hiding due to internal disputes with her family and to fake her own death to avoid them. According to investigator, Sherbin K connected with the beauty blogger Khadija O via Instagram sometime last summer, sending her messages about cosmetics. She purportedly enticed the victim into meeting up by offering a set of beauty products. On the day of the crime, Sherban told her parents that she was going to visit her ex-husband in Munich, and instead, her and her boyfriend allegedly picked up Khadija in a Mercedes. At some point, investigators believe they turned off into a forest where Khadija O was stabbed more than 50 times, uh, and the injuries to her face were so severe she was completely unrecognizable. The Sherban K then parked the Mercedes 
in a place where it could be easily discoverable, leaving the body in the back seat. So basically, this lady just tried to steal this lady's life from her, literally, and then tried to become her online and, and thought nobody would know that this would happen. No, no one would notice that, that she looks slightly different and all these other things. It's, it's just a wild story, dude. <laughs> I appreciate the hustle, man. That's some complexity. Oh my there. god, dude! And then it took a lot of thought to get to that point. Um, yeah. Also, she's a fucking moron. <laughs> like in today's world, like how do you not know that there are people that that's going to come out if you're like researching these people, right? <laughs> messaging them and spending time with them beforehand? Like, come on now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and then you goodness. know, dental records and shit like this. Like, it sounds like they, she stabbed her like fifty times in the face. So I could see why that's unrecognizable. But Jesus Christ, dude! Like DNA, all these other things are going to point to that not being the person. They're not just going to be like, oh, she was in the car. It must be her. Yeah. She probably, they're probably like, oh, well, of course they found this person's DNA. This is this person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So wild story. She has been caught, but it's wild that that happened in August of last year and is now just kind of being deciphered through. She kind of lived as her for very many months. Hey, well, I thought the uh, Germans have grown up. Apparently not. <laughs> Back to our old ways. Alrighty. Let's get out of here, man. Uh, if you would like to reach out to us, we'd like to hear from you. You can send us an email, barmerdude.media at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at FriendshipNH, and you can hit us up on TikTok and or Instagram. Same handle, at FriendshipNewsHour. See you next time.